This week, I had the great opportunity of sitting down with Nick Nation, nutritionist and founder of Nutrition Nation. Nick went really deep and shared how he went from being a tour guide, unhappy with his weight and well-being, to becoming one of Perth's key nutritional spokesman, speaker and coach. You might even seen him recently on Channel 9 where he's laying it out on the ketogenic diet. Nick explains how, rather than getting caught up in the latest media fad diets, we really need to understand and match which diet suits our individual needs. Otherwise, we can do ourselves much more damage than we realize. Nick also talks about how there's a whole wealth of information out there on the internet, but the key point is taking that information and turning it into repeatable behaviors and actions so you get the results that you're actually looking. He also talks about tapping into clients' why when he's doing the coaching to get the best results. Again, there's great themes of taking responsibility and accountability for your own health that comes up in this and we've seen in others. It's been a year since uh, we started WA Real and man, it's been a journey. We've learned and heard so much together from the awesome people here in Western Australia. And as I look to the next year, I really want to know more about what you want to hear and learn from and so we can ins- explore and ins- be inspired together by the stories of awesome people here in Western Australia. So what I'd like you to do is, when you've got a couple of minutes, just nip over to the Facebook page. You can find it at WA Real, and there's a link there, just a little form that you can fill out. It'll only take you a minute, and that'll just give us an idea of how we can shape WA Real up over the next year so it can be your constant source of inspiration and constant source of learning to expand your mind and expand horizons. So if you want to hop over there and do that, I'd be deeply grateful. I now give you Nick Nation. Hello and welcome back to WA Real. I'm your host, Bryn Edwards. Nutrition, diets and dieting, and taking responsibility for your own health and well-being are some of the topics we're going to get stuck into today with my guest, Nick Nation. Born and raised in Melbourne, Nick moved to WA in 2009. Nick started out his working life as a tour guide for Princess Cruises. However, unhappy with his own weight and physical well-being, Nick decided to take action, but initially his journey was a roller coaster, fraught with varying information and approaches. He therefore went deeper, looking at his own personal habits and studying at Curtin University, and from this started to unlock a successful approach to nutrition and diet that worked for him. Now, from this experience and his knowledge, Nick is an in-demand nutrition spokesman and presenter, often appearing as an expert source in the media, as well as successful nutrition coach through his business, Nutrition Nation. Nick, welcome to the show. Thanks, Bryn. So you were originally um, born and grew up in Melbourne. Yep, that's right. Um, How was Western Australia regarded or how did you view Western Australia growing up? Well, that's a good question. (laughs) And I I have an answer to that. I never thought about Western Australia. Right. Apart from maybe with, in regards to the cricket. Right. Because the Western Australians produce some pretty good cricketers. But apart from that, no, never never actually came into my mind. Right. Mm. Surprising, isn't it? Because yeah, it now I live here and I absolutely love it. Yeah. But I still refer to myself as a, a West Torian. West Torian. Yeah. Combination of Victoria and Western Australia, obviously. Mm. Mm. So how did you end up here? My journey's been a little bit complex. I I initially moved out of Melbourne at the age of 24, moved up to Sydney um, to pursue a bit of a a tour guiding career. 
uh, met a lovely lady and some opportunities presented themselves over here in WA and, and we jumped ship and came over here and haven't looked back. Awesome. Hmm. Awesome. Do you see yourself staying here now? Yeah, I think um, I've got two young kids, um, got nice little friendship network and professional networks established here. Perth, Western Australia, it's basically got everything that we need and nothing that we don't. Pretty right, pretty mm. right. And not an overclutter of people. No, it's fantastic. I mean, the traffic, people complain about the traffic over here, but it's fabulous. It and is. I, and when you've got two young kids, sometimes it's okay to sit in traffic anyway. Because <laughs> <laughs> you're not in a hurry to get home to all the kicking and screaming. No, right. Yeah. Not when they're in the car, though. Oh, no, no, no. When you're on your own, it's fantastic. It's Indeed. bliss. <laughs> so nutrition is obviously a key passion and focus of yours mm -hmm. Do you, can you take me through a bit more of the journey that i've briefly touched on in the intro about how you ended up doing what you do yeah so i you know growing up in melbourne i, I used to like when i turned 18 let's say 18 for the purposes of this uh, i used to drink a fair bit of alcohol um, i used to eat Maccas, Hungry Jacks, Subway, you name it. I was, oh, my diet was atrocious. Mm. After leaving school, uh, I was free to do whatever I wanted. I yeah. skipped lectures at uni and tutorials. I hardly ever attended. I failed units at, at uni. Um, all I was about was just having fun and eating, drinking, trying to pick up chicks. And, <laughs> um, you know, I assume that's what most people, most people my age were, were trying to do. Mm. Um, <clears throat> yeah, so I managed to put on a, a significant amount of weight. I was probably, uh, let's say, about 10 to 15 kilos heavier than I am right now. Um, and I was carrying some serious chub around my, around my midsection. Um, wasn't so much of an issue back in those days. But then, I don't know, as I got a little bit older, something kind of, something didn't sit right. I was feeling tired and sluggish and, um, you know, I... I saw a lot of diets out there in the media. People were like raving on about how this diet works or that diet. You should be doing this, should be eating yeah. that. Um, and so I tried a number of these things and kind of had some short-term successes and, and then a lot of long-term failures. And then, I don't know, it just got really interested in the science. Sort of yo-yoing. Oh, yeah, definitely. It was like a roller coaster. Up and down, up and down. And I used to love it when people would say, oh, Nick, you, you look great. You've lost heaps of weight. And then, you know, six months later when they saw me, I'd be a, a larger form of myself. Um, so, you know, like what, what was wrong with that? Like I'd lose all the weight, but then I'd just put it back on again. Mm. I was trying to work out why that was. So I got really interested in the science of weight loss and, and the science of nutrition and um, then I went back to back to uni. I actually started studying in Sydney. Right. <clears throat> um, and then uh, when I met my wife Zoe, or my to-be wife Zoe, kind of um, continued that um, that direction Did over you here. Fall in love with a slim version of you or a large version of you? <laughs> Good question. Uh, I don't know. I was pretty adorable, no matter whether I was <laughs> okay. whether I was fat or slim. Um, but I think somewhere in between maybe, because when, when we were courting, um, we were certainly having a lot of fun at the same time, mm. eating out in the restaurants in Manly and, um, yeah, drinking a fair bit as well. So, yeah, so then we moved over here to WA and, uh, I pursued my, 
my studies over at Curtin University. I was the oldest in the class. Um, I was the grandpa, or one of them actually. There was another person as well. And uh, yeah, that was really hard, to be mm. honest. It was really hard to go back to uni at the age of, what was I? When I came over here, I was about 29, 30. Um, yeah, I was 30. And I was studying with a whole bunch of 18 to 21 year olds. Um, the nutrition profession is predominantly female. So that was interesting, um, you know, studying with a whole bunch of 18 to 21 year old um, budding dietitians. Yeah. Um, my wife was very trusting. <laughs> <laughs> um, and, and rightly so. Like, um, you know, I developed a lot of friendships, but at the same time, it was really hard because my friends back in Melbourne and Sydney were. Um, you know, they were, they were working in their careers. They were working full time, making decent salaries. And here I was eating, you know, bread and yes. bread and cheese and drinking water and really, you know, mm. kind of just getting by. And my wife was supporting me at the time. So that put a bit of a strain on our relationship and, mm. you know, new city, didn't have any friends. Um, yeah, it was hard studying hard, uh, but we kind of got through that and it was just a bit of a phase and. Um, then we moved out of, we initially lived in Subiaco. It's very Melbourne-like, so didn't really like it there. Mm. It was beautiful, great place to live, but for some reason really missed the beach because we lived in Manly over in Sydney and I fell in love with the sand um, and the ocean. And then we moved to Cottesloe and right by the beach and all of a sudden, Perth was somewhere where we'd never move away from. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, and now I'm now I'm working, and I've just developed my networks over over the years. Um, developed my my knowledge base of nutrition. Mm. Uh, when you when you first start out as a nutrition practitioner, oh my goodness, it's a minefield. Mm. Like, I was going to say, what, at what point did you think I'm going to turn this into my career and business and yeah, of making revenue? Well, I always thought of myself as being a bit different to everybody else when I was going through Curtin University. Mm. Um, because I'd been on radio and uh, I'd been a tour guide, I really love these things. love a microphone. <laughs> yeah. um, love the sound of my voice. It's just what happens when, you know, you're, you're in front of the public so much. And I was actually able to transfer those skills into the, into the nutrition space. And mm. <clears throat> I kind of started out doing a lot of public speaking. Um, you know, I was, I was a lecturer at Curtin Uni as well as ECU. So I love teaching students and lecturing to students. Um, but I also like talking to workplaces about their health and wellness and mm. um, trying to create engaging and, you know, slightly different um, nutrition presentations that were, I don't know, seemed to have more of an effect on people rather than you should eat vegetables and... Yes. You should eat fruit and, you know, the Australian Dietary Guidelines, blah, 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 blah. Um, I basically tried to use my, um, I guess, what's, what's the word for it? Use my skills as being a tour guide and conveying information right. to American tourists and British tourists about Australia and kangaroos and koalas and all that kind of stuff. Um, and I guess, like, that's, that's a bit of an art form as well because... Yeah. Australia is foreign to them. So trying to convey that information about Australia in a meaningful form for Americans and Brits. Um, so using analogies that they would understand right. and, and whatnot. And that skill really came in handy mm. when it came to actually transferring scientific nutrition 
literature into practical day-to-day advice. And so I found myself getting more and more gigs talking to businesses and community groups about nutrition. Because um, you could unlock it. Yeah. And, and to the point that I was working at Diabetes WA at the time, so getting back to your, your question, um, I was working at Diabetes WA at the time and I thought it was I was getting a lot of work because of Diabetes WA, but then something kind of clicked and I realized that these workplaces were actually getting me in, not yeah. getting Diabetes WA in. And I thought, oh, I'm going to be a professional speaker and I'm going to yeah. go around the world and you know, engage audiences and entertain and, and educate. Um, so I, I tried to look around and I found this organization called National Speakers Association of Australia. And I went into one of their, one of their chapter meetings and I thought, oh my God, I am so shit yeah. compared to all these people. These are pros. You know, these people are charging like, Ten to twenty thousand dollars for a forty-five minute talk. You mm. would never have heard of them. Yeah. They're all experts in their own fields, and they go around the professional speaker circuit. And I thought, geez, I'm a long way from these guys. So then I kind of got back in my box and thought, you know, I'm I'm not as special as I thought I was. Um, but that didn't stop me from leaving uh, my circumstances at home, having kids, and all that kind of thing. Mm. Um, working out who was going to be bringing in the money and who is going to be able to, you know, be more flexible. Um, and that, that person was me. I'm, I was the one that was to be flexible. So I thought, all right, let's start our own business, Nick. And kind of went from there. Awesome. Hmm. And what is the, what is the actual impact that you're <clears throat> hoping to have? Why is oh, that so important to you? I just want to move the health dial. Mm. I really want to move the health dial. And like, I just see such terrible stats and they're always increasing heart disease type 2 diabetes mental health um you know the health of australia like someone said to me the other day that we're the last generation that's going to be how does this work we're the last generation that's going to live longer um than our parents or something like that does that make sense yeah i'm getting a bit confused by that yeah yeah, um which is our parents which is yeah which is a bit dire Um, yeah so something's going wrong there's a lot of opinions out there it Mm. is a saturated area like everyone eats so everyone's kind of everyone's kind of an expert um yeah so and what i've found along the way is one size does not fit all yeah that's amazing like i was i was just interviewed by channel nine last week on the ketogenic diet and you know, they're trying to get an opinion from me and I tried to convey a very balanced opinion due to the fact that, you know, everyone's different and Mm. the ketogenic diet might work for someone who's, you know, someone who's tried everything else and they just have cravings for carbohydrates and it's a nice little stopgap for them so long as they're, you know, obviously being monitored by a professional because it can be quite dangerous. Mm. Got to put that little bit in there. Um, Yeah, so one size doesn't fit all. Mm. And I could give you advice and I could give the next person the same advice and you might have the same condition, the same problem. Um, you might succeed and the other person might not. Right. So it's, I'm also big on trying to provide value for my clients. Mm. Um, 
Wow, that's probably my biggest stress. What does that value actually look like? Well, it depends. Yeah. It's, it's completely different. For one person, it might be a, a meal plan. They love a prescription, so they just follow it to the nth degree. Right. And they dominate. Yeah. Whereas other people, they absolutely hate that. Mm. They want more flexibility in their life. And so it's trying to work in with the different personality types and to get the best, you know, the best outcomes. Yeah. And, and that's my, like I said, that's my biggest stress. Mm. And that's in your coaching <clears throat> work. Yeah. Yeah. And my private practice work as well. Yeah. So what, um, what are the, what are the sort of the fundamental principles and basics that underpin your approach in philosophy? Well, so <clears throat> I like balance. Right. I, I've got this this 80-20 philosophy that, you know, you, you do the right thing or the healthy thing, the thing that's right for you as an individual 80% of the time. And then there's 20% of the time where, you know, life can get in the way, slash you can indulge, have a blowout. Yeah. Um, you know, like, and that encompasses traveling and um, hanging out with friends and all that kind mm. of stuff. I'm not robotic in my approach with my clients. Yeah. Unless they need me to be. Yeah. And, and so one of the first things I do is actually say, do you need a drill sergeant or do you need someone who's a little bit more flexible, but just kindly encouraging you to yeah. do the right thing 80% of the time? Another thing with my philosophy is, is variety. And I really, if I can avoid it, I will in terms of, um, you know, encouraging people to restrict whole food groups and whole foods and things like that. I think, you know, you're missing out on one of the most amazing things in the world, and that's that's food. Yes. Um, and another philosophy of mine is there's no such thing as bad food. So even Coca-Cola, as you know, Bryn, um, when you swam solo across to Rottnest Island yes. and, and we kind of worked together in that we space, <laughs> um, you know, there's there's a spot for Coca-Cola right mm. there, yeah. so long as it's flat and it's at the, you know, the three-quarter mark of what yeah, is the flat. 15K mark. It's yeah. fantastic. Gives you that little lift and over to Rottnest Island you go mm. and everyone else gets left behind, right? Yeah, something like that. <laughs> uh, yeah, but obviously in with that philosophy, um, you know, certain foods are, are encouraged more often and in, in greater frequency than others, right? Like yeah. fruit, vegetables, whole grains, things like that. Mm. Hmm. so um how if somebody was trying to lose weight what is the process for i mean th this is the first question i've got how do you select what weight you think you should be and then how do you work your way towards <clears throat> that and then maintain it Whew, tough question <laughs> and and my clients probably see me you know, see the cogs turning when they when they first um, when we first have a chat about that mm. because there's something like seventy seven different ways to lose weight, right? Um, evidence based ways. Yes. So initially, I would I need to find out everything about the person. Mm. Um, I need to know that the advice that I'm going to provide is specifically tailored to their history. Yeah. So if someone's been yo-yo dieting, <clears throat> you know, their weight's been fluctuating up and down for mm. a good part of 20 years. Then I know that, you know, putting them on um, a, an extreme or let me rephrase that, um, you know, a very prescriptive yeah. 
kind of approach is probably not going to work with them. So what I would probably do with them is work on one small thing at a time, absolutely nail it, and then move on to the next thing. And just... Such as? Give us an example. Oh, okay. So yesterday uh, when I was was in private practice, we were talking about, with one of my clients, we were just talking about um, just having breakfast. You know, she never eats breakfast. Right. And so, and she was like, is it wrong not to have breakfast? And... And I said, no, I think a long time ago, we thought that people that didn't eat breakfast, um, you know, their metabolism was actually lower because they weren't eating regularly enough. But we've found through the evidence that that's not true. Right. So what we've actually come to the conclusion in the, in the literature about is that people that don't eat breakfast tend to be overweight or obese, uh, more so than um, people that do eat breakfast. But it's actually more of a... You know, they're more mindful of what they eat across the rest of the day when they eat breakfast. Well, at least that's the theory. So we were just trying to incorporate that principle. And, you know, for someone that's never eaten breakfast before, it's Mm. really hard to get them to to start eating it when it's not actually going to lower their metabolism. Yeah. Um, When you say lower their metabolism, what does that actually mean? Oh, right. So the amount of energy that they burn. Right. Yeah. So, like I said... um, like back in the old days, if you, you know, it was perceived that if you didn't eat breakfast, your metabolism would drop because you were somewhat fasting. Right. However, nowadays there's a, you know, there's a, an intermittent fasting kind of craze where, or at least it's popular, where people are essentially skipping breakfast anyway on a particular diet known as the 16 and 8 intermittent yes. fasting diet. So non-breakfast lovers out there, um, 16 and 8 intermittent fasting might be for you. You've now mm. got an excuse. Yes. Mm. Um, but yeah, she was, so she was, that was like the first thing she brought up and she brought it up multiple times. So I thought, all right, well, if this is certainly high on this client's agenda, well, why don't I facilitate that? Why don't we have a crack at including breakfast mm. so that... Because she's repeatedly... Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. So there's a, there's a fine art to... <clears throat> to success and if something keeps presenting itself to me as the as the coach or the mm. um the practitioner then we've got to go with it because she didn't mention anything else and so now this client has ownership over you know because she came up with the idea i was just helping her um in implementing it um yeah so we'll see how we go with that one mm. um, whether it helps her or not so basically my coaching is a whole bunch of experiments yes it's trial and error so someone might come to me saying you know i've heard about intermittent fasting i want to try it and i'll I'll say well it's not guaranteed to work but this is how you do it yeah um i'm more than happy to help you in any way possible so that you actually implement it properly not you know searching on the internet and kind of Mm. thinking that you're doing the right thing but maybe you're not um, a lot of the time with, uh, with nutrition, you've got to take into account the whole situation. So if someone was to go on that fasting diet and <clears throat> say they're from, you know, they've just moved over from Italy where food and family and mm. all these types of things are really important. Yeah. I see myself as being that kind of <clears throat> intermediate person to say, hang on a second, if you're going to be fasting and say you choose to fast at dinner time, how are you actually going to sit at the table 
socialize mm. with your extended family and actually be cool with that. So eating isn't just about knowledge. There's a there's social aspect, there's a medical aspect. Um, there's also a dieting history aspect. There's, did you eat at the table with your parents? Um, you know, things like that. So if someone never ate at the dinner table with their parents, they're more likely to not eat with their family when they have kids at the dinner table. And we know through the literature that um, that's actually quite a, a good thing to do, sitting at the table, socialize. Yeah. But also in terms of your dietary intake, um, people get more variety of better foods, better yeah. nutrition. Rather than just one small thing that they smash down yeah, by themselves. Exactly. Yeah. And, and we also know through the literature that if someone actually sits on the couch and watches TV, because they're not in the moment, they actually can't recall what they had yep. or they're less able to recall what they actually ate at that given time. Mm. And they're more likely to eat more energy dense, calorie high foods in subsequent meals. Right. That's pretty interesting stuff. Mm. Linked with the TV. Linked with the TV, but not linked with the dinner table. Right. Sorry for banging on the table. That's all right. <laughs> so, so I, I'm getting the picture that the coaching is... Like, like you said, it's not just the nutrition part. It's a whole behavioral part as well. Oh, yeah. So, um, yeah, that must be quite a challenge because you would be confronting people with their own sets of behaviors that they may have to you know, face and change and take responsibility for. Yeah. Like I, I told her, I asked one of my clients to take pictures of everything they ate. Um, and the technology out there, the technology space is fantastic for that. So there's apps out there that really assist and make it so easy for people. You know, you pull out your phone, click on the app and then boom, you're basically led to your phone camera that logs it. I can see it. You know, yeah. there's great technology out there. So people don't actually have to come in and mm. see me in private practice. However, a lot of people like that face-to-face accountability. Um, so anyway... We were, so this client came in, she wanted the best of both worlds. So she came in yesterday and, um, and she'd taken pictures of all the really healthy meals that she consumed. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> However, when it came to actually taking pictures of everything she consumed, um, there was a lot missing. And I was like, why, why didn't you take pictures of everything? And she goes, oh, I, I didn't want you to see you know, how bad I was. And so that's, I'm just, alarm bells are just ringing here. Mm. So my main focus with this client moving forward is to get her comfortable with taking pictures of foods that she perceives not to be healthy. Mm. So that's, that's like our next step. Reason being is because I don't want her to think that there's, there's a good and bad food, but I also don't want her to hide things from me. Mm. Like, you know, when I see people, I want them to tell me the truth. I mean, they're only cheating themselves, right? Yeah. And I, as a practitioner, I can actually help them more. If they're honest. If they're honest. If I've got the full picture, Mm. social, medical, nutritional, diet picture, um, behavioral, then we're just going to get better outcomes working together. So there's, um, there must be, yeah, there must be something in there about, people taking responsibility for themselves their diet and is that part of what you're actually coaching for sure does it get to the point where the nutrition bit actually drops away to a degree and it is 
you've got to be honest with yourself about what you're eating and whether you actually want the outcomes that you're telling me that you want. Yeah, sometimes. Yeah, sometimes nutrition just goes by the wayside and it's like, all right, let's just focus on eating something at breakfast, lunch and dinner. Mm. You know, um, whatever you want, anything. That's the first step for that particular person, maybe. Mm. I also get a... This is just my gut feeling, um, but I also tend to get a lot of people that come in expecting me to, you know, whip up this magical thing and, and for them to Do it for basically them. take a pill and, and just win. Mm. Um, so obviously behavior is one of the hardest things to change in the world. So mm. it's hard for me as a practitioner not to take that on when someone hasn't been able to change a behavior. Because, you know, there's like this pressure for me, and I put it on myself, for me to help these people, these clients. Um, and when they don't succeed, I'm getting better at it, but it's mm. hard not to take it a little yeah. bit personally. Yeah. But, you know, as a practitioner, you kind of, that's something you just work at all the time. Mm. Yeah. How so, did we get to this point where people are not taking responsibility for what they're shoving in their mouth? It's human nature. It's instant gratification. Starting up a, a coaching business separate to Nutrition Nation, which is what I, what I had been working on in the last couple of years, I called it daily dietitian because mm. I felt like some people, not everyone, but some people needed daily support. And we did that externally through an app. I'm still working with some clients with that program. And, you know, people... You know, they want to make a change. They've tried all the diets or they've got irritable bowel syndrome and they've looked up the internet and, you know, they've, they've heard that they can't have gluten and lactose from dairy, etc. Mm. But they find it really hard to put any strategy to actually implement it. So mm. if you've got someone basically supporting you on a daily basis, you're bound to succeed, right? And guess what? They do. Mm. They succeed, but they have to subscribe to it. And it's a bit daunting, I reckon. I'm trying to put myself in someone else's shoes right now. But if I was trying to work on something and I had to report back to an expert about whatever that something was on a daily basis, I would find that at first quite daunting. Being accountable. Yeah. So then it kind of comes down to, hang on a second, how much do I really want this? Yeah. Yeah? Yeah. Am I just trying to implement a strategy and have another kind of attempt or, or am I really fair income about solving my problem? And so when people actually overcome that and actually ask themselves what their ultimate why is, mm. so why am I doing this? And why am I doing that? Why, why, why? Until you actually get to the truth. When people finally realize what their ultimate why is and what they're feeding themselves is all kind of intertwined into their ultimate why because, you know, health has some kind of impact on what you're trying to achieve. Absolutely. Um, that's when I usually get the best success with my clients when they're just, and it, co it goes back to being honest with yourself. You know, why are you shoving down? And I'm, I'm totally guilty of this. Why are you shoving down, you know, a whole packet of shapes, barbecue shapes or something like that yeah. after a shitty day at work. That actually doesn't fit with your ultimate why. Yeah. 
So as a practitioner, I'm trying to get down underneath people's food and right drink related decisions. Yeah. Right down to that point where it's why, why are you doing this? Mm. And, you know, people get really emotional when they reach that why. I can imagine. I had a couple of clients yesterday that were in tears. Well, it's um, an emotional place to go and you've got to go through those layers to get there. Yeah. And it's not always the first consultation that we get there. Yes. So I encourage anyone seeing a health professional that they, they get along with hmm. um, just to give it a couple of extra goes, even if they're not getting the results that they're after, like what they would in previous attempts to lose weight, for instance. Because if you can actually get down to your ultimate why, there's nothing that'll stop you achieving your goals. Mm. Really, it's it's really powerful. So then is there is you know a reluctance to be accountable, a reluctance <clears throat> to take a picture of the bad food, a symbol that you've not quite got to the why yet? Yeah, exactly. And for some people, I've worked with them for over a year and they still haven't got to their ultimate why. But they're still with me, mm. you know, and they're still achieving their goals. We're just, we're just... It's amazing that we get, I get more and more stuff and I'm like, why didn't you tell me that a year ago? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Mm. Mm. So how do you, um, how do you compete or deliver value when there's so much stuff on the mm. internet and, <clears throat> you know, I, it, I, I could go and Google something and, and within 15 minutes, I probably know enough to hold, hold my own in a bar chat on something and so therefore I'm a nutritionist. Yeah, so knowledge is just one aspect. Mm. Um, and then there's attitude and behavior. So in terms of achieving great outcomes. And that's, so I think the knowledge gap in nutrition, like people are starting to be, pre- they're pretty switched on as to, yeah. as to what's right and what's wrong, so to speak. Unless it's a complex, condition that they're trying to yeah. try and overcome or manage but um yeah so there's still an element of knowledge providing or information providing and giving um, but i think that actual support in today's busy lifestyle is just becoming more and more important so just someone to front up to someone to be accountable to someone yeah. who's on your side mm-hmm. like how many people are on our side these days it's like some people have lots, but others have nobody. nobody. Yeah. Um, so to find a, a health practitioner that that is on your side and you know got into what they do to help people is really really important. Someone that gets you. Um, you know, you could get on the internet, but that's not tailored. No. That doesn't take into account it's just whether information, you. Information, isn't it? Yeah, exactly. It doesn't take into account whether you ate at the dinner table or not doesn't take into account whether your teens and early 20s were ridiculously um, exorbitant like mine. Yeah. <laughs> um, you know, it, you... it doesn't take into account the stress at work mm. um, and, and how you react to that stress. So having someone that can actually guide and, and tailor specific recommendations to your individual needs, technology or no technology, it's still powerful and it's still something that people want i mean i'm booked out for two to three weeks in advance yeah um and that's with all that stuff on the internet all the apps coming out the calorie counting the different diets you name it 
Because, mm. it, yeah, it, it strikes me that there's, with the internet now, there's such an abundance of information. And you, you can you, you can fill you can fill your time just learning new stuff and learning new stuff and learning new stuff. But what is that beyond like mental stimulation if you do nothing with it? I liken it to a an Excel. It was an intermediate Excel spreadsheet training that I did once upon a time at right. um, I think it was Diabetes WA or the Heart Foundation, and I thought great. I'm going to upskill in, in Excel and, you know, yeah. I'll, I'll just be a bit more savvy with all of my spreadsheets. I don't know why I was thinking that, but, you know, yeah. I was using, using that package, that software at work a fair bit. And I did the training course. I got the knowledge. But because I actually didn't practice and implement that knowledge, that new knowledge, mm. ask me to do half the things now, no idea. Like, and it's... It, it's like any training course that you do at work. Nutrition's the same. Unless you actually implement that information, hmm. you're probably not going to be successful. No. You could be the, and suppose in this instance, you could be the cleverest fat person in the bar. Exactly. That's <laughs> right. I come across a lot of those. I can imagine. Yeah. I can imagine. And uh, it's interesting because like my previous podcast guest, um, he talked, uh, Mark, he talked a lot about being a good student. And, and going back to that student-teacher relationship. Yeah. And it's difficult when we're adults because, you know, we like to think we know it all. We like to think we're going along and we're all good and we're on top of everything. So why would we need somebody who knows more than us and is in that position? And particularly when I can just reach my phone and get the internet up. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. So is that the real strength, strength of what you deliver? Mm-hmm. Yeah. The individualization... Um, the face-to-face, the accountability, the person-to-person is just, yeah. it's still required and I think it'll still yeah. be required moving forward. In fact, looking into, you know, when, when you're trying to start up a startup business in, in tech, yeah, um, one of the biggest findings that we had, which is pretty, like, it was pretty obvious when I look back on it, but one of the biggest findings was, you know, I was trying to create a, a robot coach um, based on a whole bunch of algorithms, you mm. know, trying to develop a whole bunch of different archetypes of, of different people and what their nutritional needs might mm. be, you know, 20, 30 different archetypes. And then try and put together a whole bunch of algorithms that a robot coach could then obviously coach those clients. Yeah. So I was trying to scale Nick, essentially. Yes. And... What I realized was that one of the reasons why it wasn't successful is because people needed that real human on the other end of that app. Hmm. And that was pretty fascinating. And so it's quite, um, it's, it's quite good to know that people still need that and people find that valuable. Hmm. Otherwise, I'd be out of a job within maybe five years hmm. when someone develops this awesome app that just takes care of everything for them. If you take everything that we've talked about here already, about that, uh, trying to get people down to their why and and tailoring it and and listening to them and probably, you know, almost having like a food confessional, you know, in your office, you're never going to get that from an app. No, I don't think so. And, And I'm sure some awesome technology will come out that maybe combines 
mm. you know, combines that face-to-face, that real person with technology to actually nail it and, and affordably nail it um, and make it more convenient and effective for, for users as well. Yeah. So I'm always thinking about that stuff. Mm. Yeah, because I think we need to move forward whilst also keeping some of the really valuable aspects of nutrition coaching, mm. like face-to-face, personalized, that kind of stuff. Mm. Whoever cracks that code is, um, is going to be really successful. And more importantly, they're going to move that health dial. Yeah. And I mean, that's what it's all about. Yeah. Mm. How much do you think that health dial is... It's a big question here. How much do you think that health dial is holding Western Australia back? Oh, massively. Yeah. I mean, how do you feel after you've you've had a couple of days of, of healthy eating, um, oh. good rest, bit of physical activity, as opposed to when, you know, you go out on the lash on a Saturday night and... Well, Friday, Saturday and Sunday. Friday, Saturday and Sunday. And then, uh, you know, and then you have a stressful day at work. You, you're less able to handle the stress mm. and that becomes this vicious cycle where you you get home and you raid the pantry and then mm. the next day you wake up feeling tired and, you know like in terms of productivity um energetically mental, mental health energy. even like social interactions mm. you know i know that if i've been looking after myself for you know the majority of the time i've got more energy people love to be around me more mm. um and i love to be around them so high on life yeah exactly so I'd, yeah i do think that we live in an obesogenic environment so if people leave themselves open to the elements of of a big city um you know there's a whole bunch of food outlets looking to make money yeah looking to reduce their expenditure on ingredients mm-hmm. and get the cheapest lower like obviously that's a, a huge generalization yeah, but they're not profit over I don't give a shit about your health. Or just go into Woolies and Coles. Like, you know, that they strategically... Well, I shouldn't really mention names, <laughs> but whatever. Yeah. Um, major supermarkets are putting milk and bread at separate ends of the, of the shopping centre for a reason, so that you go through all the aisles on the way to get those staples. Um, they're also charging a, a premium price for eye-level um, shelving. And... The food products or companies with those food products that can actually afford that shelf space are the ones that use lower, poor quality ingredients mm. and that have larger profit margins. What kind of a world are we living in where that happens? I don't know. What can you do about it at the moment? I can educate on how to mm. navigate the supermarket from my perspective. Um, you know, encourage fresh food, veg markets and... When do you ever see a two-for-one apple? Yeah. As opposed to a two-for-one packet of shapes or 50% off barbecue shapes. You know, there's a reason why that's happening. Yeah. It's not because the product's going off. I mean, you could probably keep pizza shapes on the on the <laughs> shelf for about six months. Yeah. Um, yeah. I think nutrition kind of, for some people, really goes by the wayside. Because it's you don't have apart from feeling great and you know feeling energized and, and feeling happy and all those social connotations mm. that I was talking about, you know, as a human you can still get by 
Yeah. When you're not feeling a hundred percent as opposed to 80% or 70 or 60 or whatever, you're still kind of functioning. And a lot of the time, you know, income, um, you know, trying to climb the corporate ladder or whatever it may be kind of takes priority, priority over our health. And I always say to my clients, what you put in your mouth from a nutritional perspective needs to be in the top three of your ultimate whys or your ultimate, like, your, you know, your preferences in life. Because then that has amazing effects on everything else in your life. Yeah. Whether or not that happens on, you know, 100% of the time, that's it's probably not going to. But so long as it, going back to that 80-20 rule that I have, so long as good health and, and therefore nutrition is, is at the top of your list 80% of the time, then, you know, you the, for success. the potential from that for all the rest of the aspects in your life has just increased. Hmm. Hmm. The same sort of thinking came up again last week with Mark from Modus in terms of spine health. Mm. You ignore your spine. You ignore what you eat and your yeah, health. totally. Until one day you bend over on the toilet to go and wipe your ass and you throw your back out. Yeah. And then you've ignored your spine for years and years and years and your back, spine's now going, well, fuck. You know, you can choke junk down your throat years and years and years. And you might go to the gym and stuff and look relatively fit, but you're still putting crap in your body and yeah. it will cup up, catch up with you. Yeah, it generally does. Yeah. Um, yeah. And that's, that's a really good point. Um, if it's not in that <clears throat> top three things to focus on, it's going to come and catch you. Yeah, it just goes by the wayside. Like, think about when you have a stressful week at work hmm. and how, how you're just more... It's, it's a good analogy for football fans, um, AFL, AFL fans. Um, and I said it to someone in the, in the showers at, at the Cottesloe Surf Club yesterday, in fact. We were talk, talking and I was, I was actually going to the gym. Um, and one of the old boys down there couldn't be bothered. He thought about it and then he went, mm, nah, I can't be bothered. And the alternative was going to have a whole bunch of beers and some, you know, yeah. somewhat unhealthy foods instead. Mm. And I said, I liken that to AFL football when, you know, your team, the attacking team, actually have, there's a turnover in your forward area. Mm. You, were, you should have kicked a goal, but you didn't. And then the opposition go the other way and kick a goal. So that's in effect a 12 point turnaround. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Same with health. If you, you know, instead of going to the gym, for instance, you go and do that, you go and have a whole bunch of pints of beer and yeah. a kebab or whatever it may be, that's like a 12 point turnaround. Because mm. you've not gone to the gym. You haven't gone to the gym. And you. Yeah. And if that's something that you do regularly, then that's a problem. And like you say, it'll catch up with you. But if it's every now and then, it's perfectly fine. 80, 20. Mm, I like that. Yeah. So we're going to do a quick uh, pop quiz here. Because I know, I know you're quite passionate about fad diets and pulling them out. So I've got a, <laughs> I've got a little list of, of, of diets that I Googled before this. And um, just briefly, fad or not fad. <laughs> right. Okay. So we'll kick off. Atkins. Oh, definite fad. Yeah. 
I mean, I'm pretty sure Is it gone? Mr. Atkins died of a heart attack from promoting. <laughs> Maybe it's because of the adversity that he received, but, um, you know, he promoted a high fat, um, high fat, high protein diet. Right. And he died of cardiovascular disease. There you go. Messes mm. up with you. Weight Watchers. Well, they've been around for a long time and they, they can, and they continue to be a viable business option and there's some fantastic aspects of Weight Watchers. However, I've seen a lot of clients that have been lifelong Weight Watcher people and, um, you know, success, failure, success, yeah. failure, yo-yo. Just the name in itself just strikes with anxiety in my being. Well, weight Watching all day. Well, do you know that? Well, yeah. There's better thing. There's better things <laughs> to do watch. with your life. Yeah. I mean, you could watch the grass grow, for instance. <laughs> um, Magnus Gavansky, you know, from Kath and Kim. Yeah. Famous comedian. She was actually the ambassador of Weight Watchers. Um, she got paid something like, you know, mm. high six figures. I think it was about eight hundred and fifty thousand to be their ambassador. And to be their ambassador, you obviously have to go on their diet. Yeah. Um, she lost half of her body weight. Yeah. Um, but then she put it all back on again. Mm. And that's with the motivation of $850,000. Yeah. <laughs> so. 850,000 reasons why you should. Um, <laughs> keto. <laughs> yeah. Your reason for it. Keto. Well, there's some very, very passionate keto people out there yeah um i found that out when when you went on the news when i went on the news and you know said that it is, it's extreme you know cutting carbohydrates down to five percent of your total energy intake yeah when 80 percent of the shelf space at coles and woolies is refined carbohydrate it's hard it's yeah. really hard so because mm. it's so hard I think for the general population, it will be a fad. However, from a, mm. a medical point of view, I think its application is is mm. definitely going to be something that will be there for a long time. Mm. I mean, it really low-carbohydrate diets um, have just been shown in the literature like this year to put type 2 diabetes into remission. However, if you've got type 2 diabetes, I certainly would not recommend just trying to do the keto diet on your own. You'd need to be monitored and seek medical or nutritional advice. Yeah. Yeah. All right, paleo. The old keto. Is that right? Yeah. A lot of paleo people are now jumping to keto. Right. Um, if you look at Google search terms and type in paleo, uh, it's going like this. Yeah. It's going down. Whereas if you look at keto, it's doing the exact opposite. Mm. Um I think both of those diets, they're, they're not nutritionally adequate. Right. Like they're not complete. So at a, at a micro and macro level. Yeah, at a micro macro level. So once again, seeking a professional's advice about where mm. they're lacking and trying to work out ways to implement nutritional adequacy whilst on those diets, whilst also being monitored. You know, if you lose a lot of weight really quickly, your gallbladder doesn't like that and you might lose it. Yeah. If you if you lose weight really quickly, mm. you might be on medications that are designed to lower cholesterol or lower blood glucose levels. If you don't if you're not monitored there, you lose all that weight, all of a sudden your blood glucose levels go really mm. far down. That's really dangerous and people could die. Yeah. So, <laughs> you know, yeah. you don't want to die. 
Um, yeah, so seeking medical advice and making sure that they're nutritionally adequate. Mm. There are tricks and techniques to do those diets whilst also implementing some other strategies as well, mm. like certain supplements, for instance. So I read another one, DASH. What's that? DASH diet. Um, <laughs> that one's actually got a fair bit of science behind it. Yeah. Um, don't ask me to explain what the acronym stands for because right. I can't remember but i know it's a it's basically a low salt diet yeah so for someone that's got blood pressure issues yeah um you know heart issues it's a really good diet and Mm. guess what it consists of lots and lots of plant-based foods and lean meats right healthy eating Mm. right there and then you've got mediterranean same thing lots and lots (laughs) of plant-based foods yeah high in fiber um Mm. you know good fats olives olive Mm. oil avocados nuts and seeds things like that great stuff a five and two michael mosley hey five and two diet um i've seen people have amazing results through fasting Mm. um yeah the it's starting to get a little bit of scientific evidence behind it as well and it works for some people but it doesn't seem to have become a thing doesn't it yeah in fact, I, I heard that maybe you're doing it at the moment. Well, I just finished a five-day <laughs> yesterday, yeah. <laughs> that's, um, that's not from a nutrition thing. That's just I like to test my willpower sometimes. Yeah. <laughs> Far out. I've, I've actually never tried it, and I've been meaning yeah. to. Like, I wake up on a Monday morning and go, all right, what diet am I going to try? Because mm. I like to put myself in people's shoes. Yeah, I mean, how much of this do you actually... You can look at it from... I can imagine you can look at it from a science point of view. Look at it from a knowledge-based point of view. Do you ever give them a go? Yeah, of course. What, of for course. What, a week, two weeks? Well, remember when we were talking about when people bring things up multiple times in a consultation? Mm. So if someone said fasting, blah, 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 and then something else, fasting, and then it came up again. Yeah. And they'd tried every other diet known to man. and They'd failed, mm. you know, success, failure, yo-yo dieting. I'd probably be more inclined to give it a go and support them through it. Mm. But I'd be really adamant that they have to keep coming back in, keep chatting to me, emailing me, texting me how they're going. Obviously, it's got its social connotations in terms of, you know, on a fasting day, sitting at the dinner table with your kids and trying to, I don't know, trying to be a role model. Mm. Um, You know, think about what that kind of, what kind of effect it could have on your children. Um, but we know that if, if your health numbers are flashing, so your blood glucose levels are high, your cholesterol's high, your triglycerides are high, your blood pressure. So your health board's just, your health dashboard is just lit up. Yeah. Five and two keto, um, OptiFast shakes, whatever it takes. Let's get that weight down and let's get those numbers back in the black. And then after that, let's really work together Hmm. so that you avoid that huge bounce back that a lot of people get with their weight when they go on an extreme diet. So it's about kind of managing people through that transition back to a real whole nutritionally adequate kind of um, pattern. Yeah. It must scare the shit out of you when these diets come out because they're all, like listening to you, they're all... You'll have a degree of merit to them. Always. Except for the lemon detox diet. (laughs) (laughs) I didn't didn't really see the the point in that. What's that? Just drinking lemon all day? Lemon and hot water. 
Yeah. Oh, all day or... Mm. Yeah. All right. Um, but <laughs> uh, I often start my day with that. Yeah, but then you eat other stuff. Yeah, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, no, but going back to what I was saying, it, it must get the shit out of you when you see these these diets come out. Like, there's always going to be the next best thing. There's always another one that's coming out every three to six to eight to 12 months, I'm sure. And it's based in an amount of like, logic or science or something. And it has merit for a situation. You know, Given the fact we can go on the internet and then go, oh, that sounds a bit like me. I'll give this a crack. And then people go at it. And you know that if it's not right for them, it's, it's going to cause damage. You know, that must Potentially, get shit out yeah. of you. Yeah, for sure. Like, I just shake my head sometimes. Not always. But I, I guess I'm kind of I'm becoming quite um, used to it. Mm. You know, like I'll be sitting at a, a dinner table and, you know, we'll be out for dinner with a whole bunch of friends and a friend of a friend comes along yeah. and, and they're just a massive paleo advocate and they're the first person to dismiss what I'm doing. Yeah. Um, my approach, when my approach completely varies depending on the person. As we found out. Um, they make assumptions as to um, as to what my philosophy might be because of my affiliations with, you know, the Heart Foundation, previously working there, um, you know, the, the Dietitians Association of Australia. <clears throat> I even got on Frio. There was a Frio food group. I'm not sure if you're aware of it, that it's got no. something like 3,000 members. And I actually met up with a convener because he just had a heart attack. And he was trying to increase f- fruit and veg availability within Fremantle. And I thought, mm. at the time I was working on an awesome project at the Heart Foundation, trying to do exactly the same thing, but yeah. in WA. You know, making the built environment more accessible for fruit and veg. And, um, and I thought, all right, I'm a dietitian. I'll reach out to him. He's just had a hard time and just had a heart attack. And he was conscious enough about the adversity that some dietitians receive because of their affiliation with the Dietitians Association mm. of Australia to say, met with the dietitian today. Um, we had a really great chat, looking forward to you know, what the future brings. And some of the responses were like, well, I wouldn't, tr- I wouldn't trust someone with that kind of training Oh, the Dietitians Association are in bed with food companies, you know, that they're the cause of all this obesity epidemic. And I'm just sitting there going, (laughs) don't respond, don't respond, don't respond, don't respond, don't. Don't." And in the end I did, I I couldn't help it. I was like, no, I've never had anything to do with a food company personally, Mm. never worked for one, never influenced them. I even feel bad about recommending food products to people because I think they're going to assume that I'm working yeah. for the food company. So I'm completely separate from that. Mm. And us dietitians and other health practitioners got into this game because we want to help people. And so imagine if you're just 100% in on trying to help people on a daily basis. Yeah. And then people are bagging the absolute crap out of you because you're so-called affiliated with food companies or your training is you know obsolete yeah um 
It's hard. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, but then if you, if you open up and, you know, try and combat what they're saying, then it just spirals and yeah. Oh, you end up being a bit like Pete Evans. (laughs) (laughs) So, um, what have you learned about yourself on this journey in terms of your, you know, your own beliefs about yourself and your own sense of identity? Um, I really enjoy what I do and I've realized that that's, that's really important to me. Mm. Have you found your purpose? Yeah. Yeah. And I, I can't see myself moving out of this area unless I become obsolete for some reason through technology or whatever it is. <laughs> yeah. But I just can't see that happening. Um, and I love flexibility and, and working for myself I get that flexibility where I can still spend time with my kids. You know, mm. I can do pickups and drop-offs mm. and, um, you know, I spend... You do the... I'm yeah, I'm daddy daycare. I'm daddy daycare. So on a Thursday, I've got my two young kids and, you know, when you when you work all, like, well, when I say all week, really, I've only worked the Monday, Tuesday and the Wednesday. Yeah. Then I get a day off with my kids and, you know, I wouldn't have it any other way. Mm. I just love it. Um. I think it's really important to have that balance and I'm lucky enough in my situation where I can afford to take that Thursday off to spend time with the kids. Yeah. Um, but I certainly make up for it when I work on a Saturday. Yeah. <laughs> so I love that flexibility of being able to shift my hours around mm. to fit in what's really important to me. And I love cooking. Mm. Uh, although my wife will probably go, no, he never cooks. Um, <laughs> Um, I, I do a lot of the mm. a lot of the cooking, and I, I have an opportunity to actually shape not only um, my wife and I's health through that cooking, but mm. I, I can also lead by example and actually, yeah. um, you know, implement some of the some of the strategies that I've learned over the years um, on my kids and yeah. try to get them to eat a variety of food. But also, more importantly, almost, um, you know kind of foster a really healthy relationship with food yeah um for them and so that's really cool mm. so not only am i helping people in the general public but i'm also helping myself Leading as well family. as my family and that's really cool yeah it must make it worth worthwhile you were talking earlier on about you know you're at university and wife's bringing in the money and you're living off water and bread and stuff like that, being a student. Um, it must be worthwhile, you know, taking that time out to go back to university as an older student and, and really focus this time compared to obviously what you did the last time. And uh, Totally. Totally. And um, yeah, and, and get to where you are now. Yeah. And, you know, I've, I've got a long way to go. There's a lot I don't know about nutrition. Mm. There's a lot of people out there that, you know, you, you listen to them talk and you're like, like other dietitians or nutrition professionals and you go, wow, I've got a long way to go in that area. But, um, you know, I love, I love my role for the diversity. Like I could see someone with um, end stage kidney disease mm. and then the next person that'll come in might be um, irritable bowel syndrome and then the next person might be high cholesterol and then the next person might be weight. So it's kind of like, Whoa! What yeah. am I gonna get? What am I gonna get next? What's coming through the door next? But you know, like as I as I 
proceed through my career, I'm just getting better and better at being able to effectively provide value to my, my clients mm. and my patients, um, no matter what they present mm. with. Get to the why quicker. Yeah, just getting better at it. Mm. Yeah. So I feel sorry for all those people just coming out of university trying to do what I'm doing. I was there. I was also that old guy mm. in the back of the classroom at, at university. Yeah. Um, and I was also that guy that used to work on radio and, um, and used to take Americans and um, Brits around Australia. So the journey's been awesome and it's been unorthodox, um, but I'd never take it back. It's really been really cool. And I love telling people my story, hence mm. why I'm, I jumped at the chance to come on today. Cool. So what does the next three to five years have for you and Nutrition Nation? Are we, go- are we going to see the Nutrition Nation diet? You're going to be spooking one of those. No, no, I doubt it. There's, there's no such thing. Mm. Because the Nutrition Nation diet is so varied, you, you yeah. couldn't sell it um, as a one-size-fits-all template. Um, just keeping up to date with all the, all the scientific literature, actually trying to apply a lot of that literature in a practical sense, experimenting with patients and clients and, you know, pivoting when things aren't working with clients and Mm. trying different things. And um, who knows? More speaking gigs, more TV gigs. Yeah. Uh, You know, I don't know. Sky's the limit. I'm really definitely um, keen on trying to combine technology with what I'm doing to make it. Yeah to make my service a lot more convenient and affordable for people and more effective, more importantly. Yeah. Um, yeah. I don't know. We'll see. I'm, I don't like sitting still, so I'm sure what I'm doing now will, completely, yeah. will be completely different to what I'm doing in three, five years. Yeah. If you could go back and have a chat with, um, let's say, Fat Nick when he's come <laughs> out of university and, and uh, you know, put on a bit of pudding and give him a piece of advice, what would that be? For, like I said, I don't regret my journey one, <laughs> one bit. Yeah. I had so much fun back in those days. Probably just more moderation would be, would be my advice. Mm. Um, I wouldn't be, I wouldn't have my lab coat on telling my, my former self, you know, you shouldn't have done that. Um, yeah. I probably regret the, the volume of beer that I consumed. Um, Hopefully that has no long-term implications <laughs> yeah. on my health. Um, but, you know, you can, it's never too late to start. And that's mm. my, that's another one of my philosophies. Yeah. So from today, no matter what you did in the past, from today, that's all you can really deal with. Yeah. Um, and, and going back and regretting what you did, whether it was good for you or not, isn't really helpful yeah. um, from a mental health point of view. So what I would tell myself would be, mate, you probably, you pushed a little bit far. Maybe you had your life's worth of beer in, in a short space of time. But that's okay because now, you know, if you go out, you'll probably have one or two drinks and, and that's about it. Because through fear of having kids jumping all over you mainly, um, the very next day with a thumping hangover. <clears throat> but also it doesn't make me feel good. Sure, I love the taste of beer. Um, but yeah, I like to feel good and that, that's more of a priority to me. So yeah, I'll have a, a blowout every now and then. 
Um, but that usually puts me back in my box. Yeah. Um, and it's usually few and far between. Mm. So when you're in that 20% zone, should have been more confident with the ladies, (laughs) (laughs) but I think we all think that. Yeah. Um, yeah. Mm. And, and finally, any advice to, uh, to the listeners out there, given what we've been talking about, if you want to sum it up briefly, I'll try to. Um, knowledge isn't everything. Mm. I know there's a phrase that knowledge is power and knowledge is everything, but, um, it's, it's being able to implement that knowledge and change behavior. That is the heart. One of the hardest things that any human being will ever endure. Mm. Seeking the advice of a professional experienced professional that's, um, you know, that's been around the traps and actually had some wins with, with various different um, conditions, clients, etc., is really important. And um, viewing any kind of chronic disease as a chronic solution. So, you know, you got there slowly but surely, yeah. whatever it may be that you're presenting with. Um, going for that quick fix, going for that instant gratification may work well for some people and may work long term. Yeah. But more people than not um, usually it's chronic support or long-term support i should say to try and get yourself out of the pickle that that you're in from a health perspective yeah i'm wanting it yeah it's usually you know you took 10 years to get there and i'm not saying it's going to take 10 years to get back but viewing it as more than just a six-month thing to fit Mm. into a wedding dress or um you know, to reverse type two diabetes, it's, it's something you got to continually work on. It's kind of like with alcohol or with cigarettes or whatever you, you know, you never quite, never quite lose a lot of those behaviors that got you there in the first place. Yeah. So learning how to keep them suppressed over the long term and, and actually seeking support to help you mm. do that. Yeah. Come and see me. I'm yeah. at I'm at Allen Health in. I was going uh, to say. So if somebody <laughs> wants to come and find you, where do they find you? Uh, practicing at Allen Health in Fremantle, which is a fantastic surgery. Um, certainly, all the doctors there are fantastic. They're they're open minded mm. and they're certainly above um, or across a lot of the a lot of the literature and all the different health conditions. And I'm also working at Promotion Physio or Promotion Health in Claremont as well. Yep. So. Um, and you got a website I do nutritionnation.com.au and uh, I also have a blog so if um, if you mm. like what you heard today then certainly I was looking at some of the titles on the blog they're, they're good <laughs> yeah you need, blogs can't be um, boring you know, I try to attract people's interests so um, I've, I've looked at things from weight loss to sports nutrition you know like to fueling for CrossFit and F45 um, to swimming to Rottnest Island, like, as you know. Yeah. Um, but also, you know, weight, IBS, ketogenic diets, mm. you know, everything in between. Um, yeah, so there's, I like to think there's a bit of value um, on that website. So check out my blog and see what you think. Awesome stuff. Nick, thank you very much for coming in today. No worries. And talking to us. I've, I found it a fascinating conversation because once again, a theme that turns up a lot in podcasts about taking responsibility of yourself and, and taking action to an, uh, mm. get yourself to where you want to be and, and have you, these are themes that have come up again, but just from a different place. And um, yeah, it's been fascinating to hear 
about you and your job and how you yeah how you deliver client uh, value to your clients so yeah it's been awesome cool thank you very much thanks Brian. cheers cheers mate